Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Slate's Working Podcast is sponsored by Citrix GoToMeeting. When meetings matter, millions choose GoToMeeting. Hold a meeting with anyone from the convenience of your computer, smartphone, or tablet, and try it free for 30 days by visiting gotomeeting.com and clicking the Try It Free button. And by audible.com offering more than 180,000 audiobooks and spoken word audio products. Get a free audiobook of your choice and a 30-day trial at audible.com slash working. Welcome to Working, Slate's podcast about what people do all day. I'm Aisha Harris, a culture writer at Slate. This season, we'll spend time with several guests suggested by our listeners. Today's guest is one of them. She's someone that you might seek out if OkCupid, eHarmony, and JDate just aren't working for you. What's your name and what do you do? My name is Danielle Selber. I work for a nonprofit in the Jewish community of Philadelphia, and my role there is in-house matchmaker. When you think matchmaker, when I think matchmaker, I think of Fiddler on the Roof, uh, Yenta. So what is, what is that for you, like, especially in an age of online dating, it's kind of surprising that they still exist. Um, what are the qualifications that you need to become a matchmaker nowadays? I'm definitely like a self-taught matchmaker. There definitely are still your traditional matchmakers who would remind you of Yenta. Um, and I think of myself as sort of a modern update on a matchmaker. So um, I will you know, meet someone in a coffee shop as opposed to meeting them in an office. Or I'll try to match them up in like a more random way with somebody that I like met one time at a bar or something and it's much less structured and much more organic which I think people like I think that they like the sort of romanticism of it that it can still feel natural. Can you tell me a little bit about like what led you to becoming a matchmaker and the nonprofit you're working on now? Uh, where did you go to school? Uh, what did you do after school? 
Uh, so I got my master's in Jewish studies at Gratz College, a tiny little college in Pennsylvania. Um, and that, I guess, qualifies me to work in the Jewish community. As for the matchmaking piece, it's really self-taught. Uh, I've read pretty much every book you can imagine and seen every TED talk about dating and relationships. Um, and then I did some studying in Jerusalem at a seminary, which is just like an institute for Jewish learning. Um, and that's where I sort of learned the pieces of what I think makes like a successful relationship. Uh, and I tried to implement that in the day-to-day -day of this job. What does your clientele look like? It's primarily for the Jewish community, but what are we talking about in terms of profession and age? What do they look like? Uh, so the ages are around between like 20 and 40 because that's our demographic for our nonprofit overall. And then within that, it really runs the gamut. I find that a lot of people who come to me are busy professionals, someone who's a lawyer or they're a resident uh, or they're in the last year of getting their microbiology degree or something like that. They don't have time to do the online dating thing because it really is a time suck. And so they come to me to sort of shortcut that in a way and to have someone working on their team while they're you know, working on what they do. If you can break down exactly like what the process is like, um, where, so someone sends you an email first, and then they get in touch with you, and they ask you to set them up? Uh, so, yeah, somebody sends me an email because they saw a line in our newsletter saying, want to meet at, with our in-house matchmaker. Uh, and they're usually a perfect stranger, and we meet in a coffee shop just like this one. And uh, we, I sort of try to, like, warm them up and, and get them comfortable with telling me, a stranger, things that are a little bit more personal to them. Uh, so I usually start with the same question. I usually ask them to tell me about someone in their life who's like really important to them, someone they feel like is on their team, whether that's a family member or a friend. And I do that to get them comfortable with talking about the types of things that they look for, not in a date, but in a person, the things that they really value deep inside. Uh, and then I go on to flip that question on their head. I ask them to tell me about themselves in the voice of that person. So that's their opportunity to brag a little bit and their opportunity to kind of tell the flaws that they might not want to tell someone they don't know. So we're actually in a coffee house right now. I'm not in Philadelphia where you live, but in Manhattan. Um, it's a pretty big space with lots of like comfy couches and some brick walls and lots of like nice mirrors and pretty paint on the wall. Like is this the type of coffee house you would usually take someone to or is it like a more intimate kind of coffee house you're looking for or do you go to Starbucks? Like what is what does that look like? Uh, yeah, this is actually a perfect type of coffee house. It's got a lot of little nooks and crannies, a lot of little corners where we can squeeze into and the person can not fear that they would be overheard. I love to go somewhere local. Like in Philly, we have all these great coffee shops that are locally owned and they'll have, you know, local Philly art on the wall or they'll have like a special cappuccino that everyone knows about. So I like to go to places that are either fun or comfortable or that people know of. I try to avoid Starbucks. Sometimes it's inevitable, but, you know, we go where we need to go. Do you match within your matches or do you have like a sort of um, Rolodex of names and people that you've interacted with and, and then you try to set them up with other people? Uh, I think I have a Rolodex. One of my friends tells me that she hears it flipping in my mind when I meet someone new. Um, so my organization, Tribe 12, we run 150 social events a year. So I'm at a bunch of those. And so I meet people all the time, which I think is the reason that people want to come to me because they feel like I know people that they don't know and they just will never meet. Um, and so typically I'll focus on the people who have reached out to me for you know a matchmaking date. I'll focus on setting them up. But the sky's the limit as to who I'm going to set them up with. Anyone, anyone is fair game. <laughs> So we're 
we're here. Can you pretend that I am one of your uh, clients who I've emailed you and I've said, hey, I have no time. I need to find someone to enjoy my life with when I'm not in the in the workplace. Uh, what would could you like play along with me and ask me the questions and I'll pretend that I'm single and we can, you know, play this out. Sure. Fun. Uh, so, Aisha, thank you so much for meeting with me. I want you to tell me a little bit about somebody in your life who you feel like is someone who's really in your corner, like your person. And this could be a family member or a friend. And the reason I ask this is because I want to get to know uh, the type of people that you like to surround yourself with outside of the dating realm. I would say that my dad is probably the closest person I have in my life. Um, I'm a writer, and he is also a writer, and he's always been really supportive of me. Um, he encouraged me to write at a very young age. Just last week, he sent me this really lovely email where he said he'd been reading my stuff and he's just really proud of me. And so I think if there's anyone who I, I would want to go to and, and talk to, and if I ever have a question about anything, he's the first person I would go to. That's so nice. It sounds like a really lovely relationship. It reminds me a little bit about me and my dad, too. Like, I always go to him first with everything. Um, so say I was going to call your dad up right now. What would he tell me about, like, the true Aisha? And this should be sort of your opportunity to brag a little bit because you're in your dad's voice now. And then on the flip side, to sort of tell me what's your, like, Achilles heel, you know, what's, what's Aisha's fatal flaw? So we can start with the good stuff. It's easier. <laughs> okay. He would say that I'm very smart and uh, I pick up things really quickly and um, that I, I try to find... Uh, different angles for things that a lot of people might look at in one way, and I try to, to probe things in a different way. Um, on the less uh, positive side, I can also be very um, moody, stubborn. Um, I <clears throat> get into funks sometimes and like don't always open up as quickly as I should. So uh, I think that that would probably be like my one Achilles heel. Great. So from then, I would start asking you a couple more questions. Should I keep going? Sure. So you said that that's like kind of your Achilles heel. So like, what are you like on a first date? How does that manifest? Um, generally, I like to talk about as many different things as possible. Like to me, there's no topic that's off limits. Like if we want to talk about abortion, let's talk about abortion. If we want to talk about um our favorite foods or our favorite movies. I mean, movies and TV are probably the easiest thing for me to, to discuss with someone on a first date or really just in any first time meeting setting. But I like it when the conversation goes beyond just like that and goes into like more like maybe polarizing uh, topics. Okay, so let's start to talk a little bit about this person that you're looking for. Tell me, what are the qualities that you tend to look for in a person? I won't take anything as a deal breaker unless you tell me to, but what are the typical qualities that you notice that you really are attracted to? Um, definitely someone who's smart, both book smart and street smart. Someone who uh, likes to have fun, but can also be serious. And someone who's patient, because I'm not always the most patient person, so if someone else can be patient for me, that's ideal. <laughs> Okay, so I know you're not single, Aisha, but what I would usually ask next is like the typical job interview question, where do you see yourself in five years? Where does a relationship fit into that plan? Yeah, in five years, I see myself in a happy relationship and with a dog or two, either living in New York or 
in another city. I don't want to go to the suburbs. Uh, so yeah, happily in a relationship and with a dog. Um, so you mentioned dogs in the suburbs. Would you call those deal breakers? I just want to know if I was to match you up with someone. I don't want to live in the suburbs, so that would be a deal breaker for me. Um, you know, it's so having a dog. Like if you're allergic or you prefer cats, I don't, I, I don't, I don't see it working out. <laughs> okay, great. That's actually really good to know. Sometimes it's good to have some parameters. Tell me a little bit about the type of person you're looking for physically. Do you have a type? Do you have a celebrity crush you could tell me about? Uh, um, I prefer taller men, uh, which, I mean, I think most people would probably say, most women, taller. Um, my celebrity crush currently is probably someone like Chris Pratt or on the other end of the spectrum, Michael B. Jordan from The Wire slash uh, Friday Night Lights. Uh, those are my two big celebrity crushes. Okay, good one. I agree. <laughs> Tell me, where would I find you on like a Saturday afternoon? What are you typically doing? Saturday afternoon, if it's nice out like it is now, I would probably be at some sort of like outside party drinking <laughs> or uh, hanging out in the park. So something outdoorsy when it's really nice out, I have to be outside. This episode of Working is sponsored by Citrix GoToMeeting. Not everyone can hold their meetings in a coffee shop one-on-one -on -one with single people who are looking for love. The rest of us need to meet with coworkers or clients, but it's not always easy to gather all those people in one place. GoToMeeting makes it easy to meet with your team whenever you need to, wherever you are. Because with GoToMeeting, you can meet from any computer, tablet, or smartphone without travel expenses or hassle of traffic. Your team can join by clicking a link. No signups, no speed bumps. Turn on your webcam and, with HD quality, it's like being in the room. You can share screens to present, review, and get feedback in real time. I want you to sign up for GoToMeeting today. You can try it free for 30 days with nothing to lose. Visit GoToMeeting.com and click the Try It Free button. Do it now, and you'll have your first meeting up and running in minutes. That's GoToMeeting.com for your free 30-day trial. Can you just explain to me a little bit more about like what the culture of matchmaking is within the larger Jewish culture. Uh, what does it mean? There seems to be a legacy. Really until this generation or maybe my parents' generation, being matched was like, I think, pretty much the norm, at least where my family comes from. My mom's side is from Morocco and her parents were matched. Um, her mom was 12 when she was matched with my grandfather, who was 14. Uh, and they went on to have 11 children and, and live a really great and beautiful life. So I, I definitely have, you know, a, a bit of a reverence for, for matching and, and that good things can come out of it. And that was much more traditional, like literally, like you guys are getting married, have fun. Um, and then my grandmother, when they moved to Israel in the 1950s, my grandmother was looking for a match for her oldest son, my mom's brother, Maimon. And she was on a bus and started chatting with a young Moroccan girl, asking her questions, saying, oh, are you married? And the girl said no. And so my grandmother actually brought her back to her house, introduced her to my mom's brother, Maimon, and they're now married, living in Israel with eight kids. <laughs> so this has been going on for a really long time in my family and every other one. Even my parents, who, you know, met in the 1980s, they were, they were uh, introduced on a blind date by a friend. So they didn't meet in any traditional context. I don't think they could have because they didn't speak the same language. My mom's from Israel. She only spoke Hebrew at the time. My dad only spoke English. Six months later, they were married. 
So I, I definitely have a lot of interest in this idea of the randomness that can get you to a person who you never would have met otherwise. And I think that's what matchmaking is. How does it break down within the people who you are matching up? Or are there some who, is everyone Jewish or varying levels of Judaism? Or are there people who are not Jewish who you match up? So my nonprofit focuses on the Jewish community in Philadelphia, you know, young professionals in their 20s and 30s. So that is for sure the bulk of the people who would find me. Usually those people are more cultural, secularly Jewish is what we call it. That would mean that they're, you know, maybe traditional, maybe connected to Judaism in a social or cultural way, but not religious. Um, a religious person would probably go to a more traditional matchmaker, of which there are several, and I do have ones that I really respect and admire, and I would refer someone uh, to them if that was the kind of matchmaker they needed, because I'm a lot more informal. Um, there's still matchmakers who, you know, work on an hourly basis and will guarantee you matches and things like that. That's not something I do. How do you work in terms of pay? Like, are you, you're not on an hourly basis, I assume. Um, so how do you, do you bill them? Yes. Yeah, so since we're a nonprofit, I, you know, take a salary, but I actually don't charge for this work at all. We do ask for a suggested donation, something small, um, but it's not something that I require at all. And I tell people that they can do it now or later or never, because <laughs> I don't want it to be a deterrent to them meeting with me. Like if they're a cash strapped student, I don't want them to not email me and come out with me just because of that. You're pretty young, I, I'm gathering. You don't have to say how old you are, but I assume you're like in your early to mid 20s. I'm 30, happy to say oh, it. Wow. <laughs> okay, I was wrong about that. Well, so how, I, I assume the traditional uh, matchmakers are a little bit older, but how many of there are you are there like you who are 30 or maybe a little bit younger who are doing this? It seems like a, an older person's profession, but. Yeah, I think in a lot of ways I break the, the matchmaker mold. Uh, I don't actually know of anyone else, and I could be wrong, doing exactly what I do. So working within an existing organization and doing sort of like gratis matchmaking services and bringing back that one-on-one -on -one connection, but not having it be like a formal relationship or contract. Um, I do know matchmakers who are like around my age, maybe they're 35, maybe they're 40. But um, I think that what I'm trying to do is take the best elements of traditional matchmaking, the things that we know work, those personal relationships, having a personal connection, not having to fill out a profile, and matching that with this sort of modern life of being busy and not necessarily wanting to, to go to a matchmaker. I, I actually don't agree with this, but I do think that some people see a matchmaker as like a Hail Mary, you know, like a desperate last step. And I don't think that at all, but it is the sort of cliche. So coming to me, I think for most people feels way less of a commitment than going to a traditional matchmaker. When people come to you, um, are you usually like the last resort? Like what else have they tried usually beforehand? Have they done online dating? Have they tried going to mixers? And is that something that they all tend to have in common? Is that they've all tried these other things and then they come to you? I think across the board, yes. Um, almost everyone has tried online dating at this point. I had one girl come with me on a matchmaking date who had been on 60 J-Dates. J-Date is a Jewish dating site. And so, and she was, she was ready to talk to someone new. So the online dating thing was not working for her. And that's why she came to me. Um, and usually people have tried the singles events. We actually run singles events and which I hope are a little better than your traditional view of like a, a sad mixer in a dark room. We try to really improve upon them and iterate around that concept. But usually the people who are coming to me for a matchmaking date aren't coming to our events. And that's fine. It's just that they want a different kind of connection and a different way of getting to the same goal. 
the woman who had been on six TJ dates, was that a successful match or have you heard from her? Like, do people follow up with you after you've matched them? It's interesting. I only hear from people when things are going poorly. So if I match them up with someone who they really like, and like this woman went on, I don't know, four or five dates lately with this one person, I'm not going to hear from her at all Like until I guess I get like a wedding invitation. Whereas if they broke up, she might come back to me and say like, all right, you were on the right track with that. Here's a couple things I would change. Can we try this again? So uh, I have a lot of people, you know, what they call ghosting, um, ghosting on me until they need something new, which is fine. And what's like your least favorite part of your job? I love my job so much. Um, is it, I don't know if it's cliche that I really can't think of anything. I really love doing what I do. I love to meet with people. I love planning the events. Um, I love when there's a successful match. It, it's kind of all good. I think that when you work in love, like you don't, you don't miss out on much of the excitement. You know, every day is something new. Can you name your happiest success story? Have you gotten a wedding invitation yet? Yes, yeah, so I can point to three marriages that I'm like directly responsible for. And then there might be about like, 25 other stories where I'm sort of like tertiarily responsible, like um, maybe I took somebody out to buy all new clothes and then fixed up his dating profile and the next person he met through that he's married to now. Or I met a girl in the beginning of a happy hour, introduced her to a table of four guys and now she's dating one of them, things like that. So um, I've definitely, you know, danced at the wedding of somebody who I've been responsible for setting up and there's no better feeling in the world. This episode of Working is sponsored by Audible.com, offering more than 180,000 audiobooks and spoken word audio products. As a special offer, listeners of The Working Podcast can get a free audiobook of your choice at audible.com slash working. There are a lot to choose from, and one that I would recommend is comedian Aziz Ansari's new book called Modern Romance, an Investigation, a book he co-wrote with sociologist Eric Klinenberg. If you've been enjoying our conversation with Daniel Selber about matchmaking, you might like to hear Aziz's take on the search for love in a digital era. If you want to listen to it, Audible has it. With more than 180,000 audiobooks and spoken word audio products, you'll find what you're looking for. Get a free audiobook and 30-day trial today by signing up at audible.com working. What is the dating life of a matchmaker such as yourself? like uh, not going out on dates with matches but your own personal dating life um, so I'm now married um, and I met my current husband through an ex-boyfriend but it's not as scandalous as it sounds they were friends and he and I uh, actually used to go out on dates with like each other's respective exes so we've been on double dates together um, and then we both like broke up the same week and we ended up commiserating over that and you know the rest is history but before that, I actually used to set up my now husband on dates. So I was like, just, you know, checking out girls for him. Um, and we have a funny story of a, we were at an event together, my now husband and I, and I, we were looking at different girls in the room for him. And he saw one girl and he said, I know that girl. I think she's an okay Cupid match for me, like 98%. And I'm like, oh, go talk to her. He's like, no, I'm too shy. I don't want to. And I was like, well, I'll talk to her. So I went up to her and we started chatting it up. I introduced them. Clearly not a good fit, but she's now a really close friend of ours. So we always joke with her that we met her on OkCupid. Can you give me a story of someone who told you something like very odd, offbeat, or just very specific about themselves while you were on a date with them? 
Uh, yeah, so I was on a coffee date with this one girl, Anna, let's call her, and um, she was giving me sort of the generic things that she wants in a person, always smart, always funny, okay. Uh, and then when I asked her her celebrity crush, which is a pretty typical question, she said, you know, I haven't thought about it, but lately I've been really into like Seth Rogen, his look and his personality. And I was like, oh, okay, that's not what I would have expected you to say. I also find Seth Rogen very cool and handsome, but um, that helped me to sort of narrow down, you know, in my mind to a, to a totally different subset of people than I might have been thinking of for her. So I asked her some more questions and I realized that this guy that I know who like really looks like Seth Rogen and kind of acts like Seth Rogen would be a great match for her. And just because of that little detail that she shared with me, I was able to do that. And I'm not sure I would have arrived at him otherwise. And they've been on countless dates, you know, they're dating. So we'll see. Where do you see yourself in five years? Like, how how long do you want to be matchmaking, or do you want to make this a lifelong career? It's definitely something I've thought about, um, and I know people who have successfully transitioned into, like, a full-time matchmaking gig. I'm terrible with sales, so I'm not sure that I could ever sustain this as, like, a, you know, like a consulting type of career. Personally, I love the nonprofit I work for, and as long as this keeps working and we keep sort of iterating on it and making it better, I see it expanding into like a whole new project for our nonprofit. Um, just keep growing and growing, having you know more Danielles out there at coffee shops. Thanks for listening to this episode of Working. You can find out more about Danielle Salber and her organization at tribe12.org. That's tribe12.org. Also, if you want to hear more from this interview or read a transcript, sign up for Slate Plus. Just go to slate.com slash working plus. We'd love to hear your thoughts about this podcast. You can email us at working at slate.com and dig through our first two seasons at slate.com slash working. This episode was produced by Matt Collette and recorded at La Maison du Macaron in New York. Joel Meyer is our managing producer and our executive producer is Andy Bowers. I'm Aisha Harris. See you next time on Working. Hi, this is James Ledbetter, editor of Inc. Magazine. If you're into anything at all related to technology, entrepreneurship, and cool companies, you should listen to our podcast, Inc. Uncensored, where we talk about, well, technology, entrepreneurship, and cool companies, as well as drones, robots, green funerals, latte art, and moon mining, along with just about anything else that hits the like button of the fine people who write for Inc. Magazine and Inc.com. You can subscribe to Inc. Uncensored on iTunes.com slash Panoply or on your favorite podcasting app. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.